personality insights, they allow us to understand why other people do what they do, even when and especially when their thoughts, feelings, actions in a given situation are profoundly different from our own. They're not crazy. They're just not us. They're hardwired differently than we are. And personality insights explain why and how. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hey, welcome. It's episode eight of Real Talk. I am Anson. I'm Kara. Sorry, I wasn't sure who you were pointing to. I'm Isaac. So. I just kind of waved my hand <laughs> in your guys' like, general direction. Which, which one goes gonna next? going to let you guys figure it out. He threw an air curveball. Yeah, it's kind of like when you pull up to an intersection at the same time as somebody yes, else. And like you both that. just awkwardly stare at each other. You have that moment where you lock Who's, eyes. Whose turn is it? My, is it my turn? Uh, and then each person inches forward slightly and it's just one big awkward situation. It, it was exactly and like we're that. we're in it right now. <laughs> That's right. So let's move on from that. <laughs> and let's talk about what we're going to be talking about this week on the show. We're going to be talking about personality types. Woohoo! And, you know, up to this point, I feel like I'm usually the one in the show that's geeking out about <laughs> random true. stuff, whether it's fantasy football or <laughs> driving simulations or yes. random things that I'm into. Your thermostat. But I'm kind of excited <laughs> this week that I'm not necessarily going to be the one geeking out. I think that honor is going to go to Kara. That's right. When we're talking about personality differences, because oh, this is kind of your thing, this Kara. Is my favorite thing and I literally <laughs> bought a book yesterday online because I found out we were doing this and I was like I need to research more even though I've already spent hours and hours and hours reading all the things about all the personality things I'm gonna find out just a little bit more so yes I apologize in advance for all of the geekery but it's gonna be so much did you fun. literally read an entire no, book? No. if she made it I through didn't the whole actually book. read the whole book I may have read three or four chapters but okay. only like oh, the highlights <laughs> Kara, it's been like eight hours since we've last seen you <laughs> What have you been doing? I mean, I may be just a little bit obsessed. That's about good. It. We'll have a lot of knowledge on the podcast to fill in yeah. the gaps for this Isaac now, and I. Uh, just real talk with Kara. Yeah. <laughs> Isaac and Anson will just listen. No, it's right. going to be fun, guys. It will be fun. I'm excited about talking about it, too. Well, let's get into uh, what we're into this week. And Kara, why don't you start us off okay. this week? Okay. Well, the thing I'm into is a different kind of geeky. Actually, I think last week Anson talked a lot about Stranger Things, and mm. that's because this Friday. The new season comes out and I'm super excited about it. In fact, it'll probably be today by the time this podcast airs. Mm-hmm. And we are having a little Stranger Things party, which, okay, I have to confess, I was not the cool kid in high school or in college. I wasn't into like anything fandom wise or geek wise. And so mm. Anson in college, you and Drew dressed up as Pam and Jim from yes, the office. We did. Mm-hmm. And nice. I was not in that cool crowd. I barely watched the office. And so now I feel like I'm coming into that <laughs> You're now. You're catching up on all of I'm the like ex- pop culture stuff. Yes. And I'm maybe experiencing it like a college student normally would. And so I'm like, guys, let's have a stranger things party. Let's dress yeah. up. And so this week I'm into finding the perfect Barb costume. <laughs> oh man. Yes. <laughs> because oh, Oh, you would be such a perfect Barb, Kara. I look Kara. a lot like Barb, actually, if, oh if we're being honest. Gosh. I have the red hair, and I went to Goodwill this week, and I found baggy, like, mom jeans yes. and a shirt, and I found the old glasses at this, uh, like, yes. junk store down the street. That's like, that would be the most important piece. It really you is. Like, it's the Barb together. costume yeah. is the, the yeah. Barb glasses. Yeah, and they're kind of epic, too. Like, I sent a picture to your wife, Anson, and she was like, oh, my gosh, I can't even, because they're just, <laughs> like, perfect. But I have to figure out how to take the lenses out, because right now the prescription is really <laughs> and I'm like gonna like die. If I, try I might to drive be blind this weekend. I might be blind. So, <laughs> but it's gonna be super fun, and I'm really excited about it. So we'll have to maybe put pictures up on the Facebook page or something. Mm-hmm. Please, maybe. I have heard rumors from my wife, who is also really yes. into dressing up, unlike <laughs> myself, that I am going to be Steve Harrington. You are. It's so fun. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to this. All I heard from her was, "I'm going to be blow drying your hair, yes. and you don't have a choice in the matter." So I'm so excited. Your we'll hair. Have to take some pictures your hair uh, has the ability to do the steve harrington yeah. i'm just saying okay. like it's gonna be it's we'll gonna be epic it. i have a feeling <laughs> <laughs> well while the stranger things costume party is going to be going down this weekend i will be in the woods Ooh. camping with my wife we're planning on my part totally wish i could come to the party but yes we're gonna be camping and what's unique about this specific campsite it's got almost a Jurassic Park vibe to it. We're staying, <laughs> we're staying at a wild animal preserve. So what? it's big cats and bears. Seriously? Yeah, it's it's really cool. We got like this 
yurt type thing. Kara's freaking out. <laughs> Why? Yeah, we're gonna go hang out with bears. It's no, really sir, cool. It's gonna be awesome. It's counter to everything Kara yeah. has ever known. Exactly. See, yeah, that's exactly why I'm kind of freaking out about it a little bit. <laughs> All the tigers and bears are like in a protected area. Uh, like it's not like you're out there with them. But okay. You can hear them at night. It's oh. pretty cool. And the whole thing, it's called Halloween. And Halloween. Okay. Since I'm a sucker for puns. Uh, of course. We made these plans and I'm doing it. Does this <laughs> tie in at all to what you were talking about last week about being really into horror movies and scaring yourself? Yes. Like oh, literally going point. out and camping with a bunch of wild animals. If I end up fighting a bear, I won't be disappointed. <laughs> okay. So this, this wow. does kind of tie together. You, a little bit. For some reason, you like to put yourself in these situations I, where I don't you know what it is. terrify yourself. That's kind, kind of, of awesome. Where is this at? Somewhere in like Southeast Missouri. Okay. It's called wow. Turpentine Creek. It's oh, where we're yeah. staying. It's okay. going to be really cool. It's like this really high-end, nice animal rescue. And I don't mind spending money there because it all goes towards protecting animals. Okay, okay. cool. Really, really cool. Really epic. I find myself over-prepping for it, <laughs> just knowing that we're going to be near wild cats and stuff. Yes. Like, my checklist is like, okay, life jackets for whatever reason, <laughs> flare gun. Um, <laughs> so all this stuff. Do you have like bear spray? I don't have bear spray. Oh, that would know. be like the, Wait, the to, cherry on top. To attract or repel? Well, <laughs> repel, hopefully. <laughs> That's the idea, but I don't know, unless you really want to fight a bear. I, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> what I am into this week is a fan theory that I have found regarding Stranger Things. Again, of course, of course Stranger <laughs> Things coming out. We Yay. talked about it last week. I'm super excited. But there are two TV shows that we have talked about more than any others here on the podcast, and that would be Stranger <laughs> Things and Parks and Recreation. Parks and Recreation. Parks and Rec. <laughs> I came across last week a fan theory oh that my ties gosh. together Stranger yes. Things. No. And Parks and Recreation. Has Isaac not seen this yet? No, I haven't. Oh, this makes me really think. happy. And I am super excited about this. Okay. So the theory that is going around is, you know, the character <laughs> we just talked about him, Steve Harrington yes. from Stranger Things. He just so happens to look incredibly similar to a character on Parks and Recreation. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> named John Ralphio. Yes. Here's the other thing, though. Okay, Stranger Things, Hawkins, Indiana. Yes. Right? Parks and Rec also takes place in Indiana. Indiana. Pawnee. Yep. Right? And so the theory goes, <laughs> Steve Harrington. Stop. Is John Ralphio's father. <laughs> because Steve in Harrington, this whole thing takes place in 1983. So he was born probably like in the late 60s. Yep. Okay. And then Parks and Rec episodes, yeah. those take place in the current day. Basically, Steve Harrington, he grows up, he has a child, maybe with Nancy, maybe with someone else. We don't really know. And John Ralphio <laughs> is his child. But then something happens, oh, obviously, in God. Stranger Things. And you they know, get separated. And they get separated. He has to put up John Ralphio for adoption. And John Ralphio <laughs> ends up being adopted by Dr. Saperstein. <laughs> But they look incredibly alike. They do. And yeah, and so everyone's saying, no, nope, they're actually related. I don't care what anyone else says, this is now the truth. <laughs> I know. I was like, this has to be canon, right? And so they actually have gotten the two of them together and asked them oh about this. They even did a little skit on James Corden's late night show. It's epic. If anything, I think it just confirms that this is yeah. absolutely yeah. true. It's the truth now. now it. So Jean mm. Ralphio, Steve Harrington, actually related, father, son. You heard it here first. That's yep, right. That's or right. Second or third. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I have a slightly more serious confession session today. I listened to a podcast this weekend all about slow fashion. The title of the podcast was Stop Buying Cheap Clothes. I listened to it and it was super fascinating and interesting. And for the rest of the week, I have been obsessed with this topic. And also, unfortunately, with looking at lots of expensive clothes online, which is a dangerous <laughs> side effect. But yep. it's so interesting and it's a very complicated issue that has to do with factories in other countries and working conditions for people who work in those factories and the effect that the clothes that we buy have on mm. those people and kind of the cycle of fashion that normally I just don't think about at all. Mm. And the mm. only concern is normally like, what's the cheapest thing that I can get? Yep. Whatever works. Listening to this podcast has totally rocked my world a little bit and made me go, okay, these choices that I'm making are affecting more than just me. 
But also like these clothes that I'm buying that are cheap. It seems like, okay, this is working well for me. Sure. But in the long run, it's not actually working well for me either because I end up buying these things that are literally meant to last a couple of weeks and then be thrown away. That's how they're designed. And then I end up getting way more than I need and just going through this cycle of constantly amassing and getting rid of. I don't like it. I don't know. It makes me feel icky. (laughs) So, but then realizing that there's also this social conscious level that goes with it that I just haven't spent a lot of time thinking about because it feels overwhelming. It started to make me think differently about the issue of stewardship, how I steward my money, because before I'm thinking stewardship, well, that's buy the cheapest thing, right? Well, stewardship can sometimes mean buying something slightly more expensive because I'm actually going to have that thing longer and therefore be a better steward of it and also be a better steward of these people's lives who are making these things. So I know this is super complicated and I don't really know enough about it to preach about it yet. I think part of the idea of the slow fashion movement is to get only what you need and then stop trying to constantly amass more. Yeah, That's part of the goal. However, right now I'm super obsessed with it. And so I'm online looking at all of these new things (laughs) and you have to start by getting a few pieces that are these core pieces and then saying, okay, this is what I have. This is what I'm using. This is what I'm wearing. But if you're starting out with cheap clothes, like the flip to that lifestyle is kind of difficult. And so I'm struggling right now and I'm feeling like, okay, this is the opposite of what's supposed to be happening. I'm starting out with, I need to buy all these new things. Right. Sure. And I'm like, that's not actually the goal of what's supposed to go on here. That process of investment is currently consuming me and I'm trying to figure out a healthy way to move through this process conscientiously without becoming consumed by it and then just consuming expensive things instead of less expensive things. Does that make sense? I think so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because you have it kind of on both ends where it's, okay, you need to downsize all of the cheap clothes that you have by upgrading to more clothes. It doesn't feel like intuitive. Yes. It doesn't feel like it works, but legitimately, you know, I was thinking, okay, there are a couple of pieces in my wardrobe I do need to replace Sure, whether I buy cheap or expensive. So if I'm going to replace it, Maybe I can replace it with something that's going to last me a little longer. But the process of finding that is like I get really obsessed and really just lost (laughs) in the world. It seems like there's got to be some sort of balance there between as someone who is a very naturally cynical person and also a very cheap person. (laughs) I just put that out there so everyone knows like where I'm coming from. I was like, I know. Like I would have a I have a really hard time with that. Mm -hmm. And I totally understand where people are coming from and what you're talking about in Mm -hmm. terms of making sure that we're purchasing things that are ethically sourced. And I would totally admit that's something I haven't spent a lot of time on in the past. And and I've definitely been convicted to think about that more. But then I also see these products out there or these companies out there that make these really high end products, whether it's clothes or other stuff. Think about like the food industry with like the all natural kind of phenomenon and some of that. As a cynical person, I feel like sometimes that gets taken overboard or to these extremes where I'm like, yeah, okay, I I get that. But you're (laughs) charging hundreds of dollars for this product that that Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense either. And I don't know that that's quite stewardship either. And so trying to figure out where the balance is between these two extremes, I feel like it's really difficult because it'd be easy to take this movement and take it all the way to the, to extreme, the other extreme trying to justify spending hundreds of dollars on all of mm-hmm. these items. I don't know. I feel like it's hard to find the balance. I would be biased one way. Some other people might be biased, we'll be biased the, other. the other way. I think your intention from starting those good, being more aware of where your dollar is going and what you yeah, support right. with right. your purchasing. That Ultimately, just using what we need yes. is an appealing thing I think most anyone exactly. could get behind. Yeah, yeah At exactly. least in American culture where we're yeah. overwhelmed and inundated with all of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's my turn for the weekly review this week, where we take something from life or a product and we review it. This week, I am reviewing Ignoring Tooth Pain Until It's Too Late. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. You did this. (laughs) So on Friday, I had a little bit of dental work done. I had a temporary crown put on the back tooth on like the top of my mouth. It doesn't matter where it is. It's a temporary crown. (laughs) Okay. I was eating pizza on Friday night, as you do. Uh. And... It fell off. Oh, no. no. And I go, oh, that's some discomfort. All right. Well, I'll take care of that on Monday. Uh Uh-oh. I went the the entire weekend. On Monday, I worked from home. And I thought, okay, it's not too bad yet. I'll go ahead and go in on Tuesday. Monday night rolled around. I think I've discovered a new level of pain. I'm going (gasps) to toss this term out to you guys. Ice lightning. Whoa. Because it only can be described as spider webbing lightning going through your head. Because uh, every time I like moved my mouth, it <laughs> happened. And I thought, 
This is the mind of a 24 year old guy. <laughs> I go, my tooth hurts. Clearly something is like in there. This is bad. I need to just like get some Listerine and just knock this out. Oh, oh no. <laughs> With my little, what Brie Brilliant. has been, what Brie has been calling my baby tooth. Ow. With my little baby tooth exposed, no, I uh, got some refreshing mint listerine. Oh, Isaac! <laughs> and destroyed yourself, <laughs> guys. It's about ten thirty at night on a Monday, and I take a big swig of this listerine bottle, and I yell, "I'm blind!" But I didn't even. <laughs> the pain was so bad. I like dropped the bottle. Both hands clenched the counter, and before I could even work through the word "blind." My vision came back, and I was just, like, foaming at the mouth of Listerine and just going, Isaac! This was a bad decision. <laughs> Eventually, oh. after more Tylenol than anyone should ever consume, <laughs> and a Band-Aid in my mouth. A Band-Aid in your mouth! <laughs> it was one of the little stick and peel, like, peel Band-Aids. I went to sleep. I woke up on Tuesday, went to the dentist. I listened to this lady who has never said the word gnarly in her life described my tooth as gnarly. And I go, yeah, thanks. I felt that, yes. So yes. my tooth is better now. After the nice, ice lightning. After the ice lightning and temporary yeah. pain-induced blindness. Blindness? <laughs> Isaac. I had an interesting weekend. On a scale of 1 to 10, oh. I'm going to rate this a 2.5. Why? I'll, I'll tell you why. I think proving your level of toughness to your wife is important. And wait, wait, wait. Did you do that? By like, proving your level of toughness, you mean screaming in pain. Yeah, when you were like whimpering and screaming and, and yelling, a I'm blind. In your it, mouth. Was, it was yeah, more like. It was more like. I was proving your toughness. It was a tough anger yell. It was <laughs> a whimpering yell. You just keep telling yourself that, Isaac. Yeah. I think we need to get Bree in here and ask her. No, she's good. She never can be here ever. <laughs> she, she can't corroborate any of this. <laughs> It's time for the real life boss level. It's the thing that's kind of kicking our butt this week. And the thing that I am struggling with is uh, doing the dishes. <laughs> oh, man. This is hard for me because I hate the dishes. <laughs> I, I literally don't think there is a chore that exists that I dislike more than doing the dishes. Really? Mm, yeah. That's saying something. I mean, vacuuming I'm cool with. I don't love mowing the lawn, but yeah. I can get it done. Yeah. But doing the dishes, I don't know. There's just something about this. Every time that I eat something and I get dishes dirty, <laughs> I have, you know, like the little good angel, bad angel, like on the shoulder <laughs> thing, like the little bad ants and angel shows up every single time I get a dish dirty. And he's like, you don't need to clean that right now. <laughs> you can come back and do that later. Let it soak. Yeah, exactly. Let it soak. That is the worst, uh... stupidest excuse in the history of mankind. And yet that's always what my wife and I do. We're like, let it soak for yes. four days. Yeah. And then we come back to our sink and it I'm like, smells like a I swamp. need to get a glass of water. And the dishes in the sink are piled up so high. Luckily, we have the faucet where you can pull the thing down yes. out of the, the hose. Faucet, yes. the hose. And so literally to get like a glass of water sometimes, I'm that. pulling the hose out to fill up my cup or to fill up our pitcher of water. Okay, that's awesome. Because you can't oh, actually man. do, yeah. In or I make sink. some like yeah. pasta or something. I need to dump out the boiling water yeah. and there's yeah. stuff all over the sink. And I'm like, <laughs> it cleans the dishes. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is about doing the dishes, but I just do not have the willpower to force myself mm. to do this. It's like the worst part of eating. It is the worst part of eating. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then we have a dishwasher. Okay. Yeah. It's like this really cool modern appliance yeah. that's yeah. supposed to wash the dishes for you. Right. But you have to rinse the dishes <laughs> before you put it in there. Yeah. There are certain things like pots and pans and stuff can't that can't in go there. in there. Yeah. What do you even really accomplish, dishwasher? <laughs> no. I have to pre-wash the dishes before they get wash washed. <laughs> I don't know. I just hate everything about washing dishes. We can right. all agree that eating is fun, right? Right. Yes. But the bad thing is that you have to clean up after this fun activity. It's yes. true. It's like if you went to the movie and you had to be the one that sweeps the floor like <laughs> after you're done. Well, the so price true. of enjoying that's this gross. movie, you got to clean up everything now. That's, yes. That's, you're not that. wrong. This is why we go to restaurants. Yes. 
because you get to do the fun part and, and not, not the not the fun not part. Fun just part. The thing that I'm happening. really tempted by is to like just always eat off of paper plates and just throw it all away. Yeah. We were just talking about being good Environmentally, stewards. Environmentally, yeah. <laughs> that is totally antithetical to everything. Most of Anshin's kitchen is now styrofoam. And yet yeah. I'm still tempted to do that because, because I hate washing it so dishes much. is the worst. It is the worst. What's your guys' least favorite chore? I've got two cats, so kitty litter is... Oh, okay. cat litter is the worst. Yeah, I, agree. I don't have to deal with that, which is nice. I think cat litter is probably up there with it. It's That's so bad. It's awful, and it smells so bad. And then I yeah. think cleaning the fridge is probably my second least favorite. Uh, yeah. It's disgusting, along with like cat litter. It smells horrible. There's gross science experiments in there, and I feel super guilty about all the things that I did not remember to eat. So yes. it's it, I would kind of categorize that in the same category as doing yeah. the dishes. dishes. I mean, it's still in the kitchen, right? You're dealing with food. I would rather do the dishes than clean See, the, the thing with dishes is, though, they're all sitting out on the counter and a sink, yes. and if I invite someone over to my house, you have I to have to get that out of motivation. The refrigerator has <laughs> doors on it. That yes. is true. And uh, that's what makes that even worse. Is You're not wrong. I don't wrong. get to that super often yeah. because it's hidden away. Yeah, that's a good point. As we mentioned earlier in the show, for the big idea this week, we're talking about personality types. Yay! And this, as we mentioned, is kind of Kara's big thing. It's something <laughs> that Kara is really into. Let's uh, start here, Kara. Okay. What's the big deal with personality types? Why is right. this something that matters? Why is this something that we should spend some time on? Yeah, well, I, as I mentioned, uh, the geek that I am, I actually downloaded a book yesterday about this that one of my favorite authors recently wrote. She's also a geek about these things. Her name is Anne Bogle. She writes a blog modernmrsdarcy.com. So she wrote this book called Reading People. And so I'm stealing a lot of quotes from her today and okay. her thesis of why this is a big deal because I feel like she just sums it up really well. Mm. So yesterday I was reading and one of the things she said was, okay, personality insights, they allow us to understand why other people do what they do, even when and especially when their thoughts, feelings, actions in a given situation are profoundly different from our own. Mm-hmm. So one of okay. my favorite quotes from the book is, they're not crazy, they're just not us. Mm-hmm. They're hardwired differently than we are. And personality insights explain why and how. Right on. So that that's sense. one of yeah. my favorite things about them is not only understanding myself, which is something I'm probably a little bit too obsessed with <laughs> because of my personality type, but also other people. So when I feel stuck in a relationship or a conversation or situation or frustrated, one of my first instincts is to go back to these personality frameworks and say, okay, how is this person wired that's just so completely different from me yeah. that I'm not getting it? And right. what can I understand about them to help me get them and maybe communicate with them a little better? Another example she used was personality frameworks are kind of like glasses or lenses that we look at the world through. Normally, we don't realize what our lenses are. Like they're just there. We mm. just see the world through them. But, but that pers- doesn't mean we don't have them. Right. No, exactly. They're there. But the personality frameworks allow us to have the eyes to be able to see the world at least temporarily from someone else's point of view. That's kind of my take on why it's a big deal. I think it can lead to tremendous growth and relationships and all kinds of areas of life just understanding why you do what you do and why other people do what they do. I think a lot of times when we come to these personality type things, these are really popular, even like just really kitschy ones from Buzzfeed or wherever on Facebook or social media, you constantly see these quizzes of find out which animal you are or find out. (laughs) But I feel like a lot of times those are very focused on self. Yeah. And maybe even most importantly, I want to justify who I am. So like I want to justify why I am the way that I am. And that I feel Mm. like is a very selfish thing. I want to make myself look good. I want people to understand me as opposed to I want to understand myself in terms of how I relate to others, how other people understand me, how I understand them, how relationships work, all of those things, I think probably has a lot more value than stopping only (laughs) at who am I. Yeah, Yeah, I think it can be used selfishly, but I also think understanding yourself, both your weaknesses and your strengths, can be a way of showing up to the world in a more healthy way, which then is in turn a way to love other people. Yeah, when you know where you're coming from, you can figure out how your roles complement someone else. Right, exactly. But I I do think 
think that's a really good warning and point is that it's not just all about, look at me, this is what I am and I'm cool and I don't care what you think about me. You know, it's about learning to work with those things and work with each other. So these personality systems then, it seems like there's a lot of them. (laughs) They range from these official sounding systems that you have to pay money for to get your kit back and learn about yourself. There's all these websites that sell personality systems Mm -hmm. all the way back to what we were talking about just a minute ago, the like BuzzFeed quiz Mm -hmm. that tells you which Lion King character you are. What kind of pizza topping are you? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So what are some of the ones, Kara, that you have found most useful or yeah. I'd say the one that I refer to the most often is the Myers-Briggs personality system. Um, and that's the one that has all the letters. So yes, like yep. can get kind of confusing, right? Because you, you're like an yeah. ESTJ or, or an INFJ. Right. Or, yeah, there's 16 different personality types within that system. Once you start learning about it and get into it, it's not as confusing, and it's right. actually really insightful. I think that's the one that I refer to the most often. It's pretty common too. I feel like that's yeah. one of the more well known. I see it ones. kind of all over, and yeah. a lot of times, like if you're applying for a new job or you're going to college, they will give you the assessment there. Right. That's where I first did it. I think was in college, and there's plenty of places online you can take it, and some websites more kind of reliable than others. Even if you search Pinterest for all the different types, you find like a million pins about these things, um, funny ones and serious ones. The Enneagram is another one that has been recently rising in popularity, at least among the circles of people that I read a lot about. And it's really interesting because it talks a lot more about weaknesses than some of the others. I feel like a lot of the other ones focus on strengths. Right. And the Enneagram focuses on more, not just behavior and weaknesses, but motivation. So it focuses on the underlying reasons that drive the things that we do, which I think is really interesting. So it kind of takes a step back from your behavior. What are the things that I do without thinking? Yeah. What are my patterns and reflexive actions that I do and how are those things not helpful to me and how can I be aware of them and make better choices to become more truly who I am and show up to the world in a way that's helpful and not harmful. It's so almost like the Myers-Briggs is kind of like, you're a rock star. Look at all the things you're good at. <laughs> kind and the of. Enneagram is like, here's some stuff to be aware yeah, of. Yeah, <laughs> you should probably work on this. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's initially one that kind of intimidates me, but yeah. there's some helpful things in it. I think it's a little more complex. Mm-hmm. It takes a little more time to dive into. So I'm only barely just scratching the surface of it, but it is mm. very interesting. And then you've got Strengths Quest, which is an assessment that, again, you have to pay to take, and it's got a whole system that goes with it. I think that one's really interesting, too. We just took it as a staff. We learned a lot about each other. Yeah. Some really interesting things. That one only focuses on strengths. Yeah. And um, it, it really revolves around the workplace. I feel yeah. like not that it can't be helpful sure. outside of the workplace as well, but it very much tends, I think, to focus on learning about how to get along with a team in an office environment. Right. Yeah. That's something that's helpful when we're talking about learning how to understand others. Yeah. When you're trying to solve a problem or work on a project with a group of people, understanding the unique strengths that each of those people bring brings to a situation can be really helpful in navigating uh, job situations. Yeah. So obviously we have a limited amount of time here on the show to talk (laughs) about all of these different systems. And there's even more, plenty more than the ones that we have mentioned here. So maybe the place to go would be to pick one of these and talk a little bit more in detail about different types of personalities through the lens of one of these systems. Yes. I feel like Myers-Briggs is probably one of the most well-known, if not the most well-known personality system that exists. So I think that makes sense kind of as a place for us to land for this show and, and talk a little bit more about that. So if you are interested in taking an assessment for Mm, Myers-Briggs, do you have a recommendation, Kara, on a website or a resource, maybe a place that someone could go if they want to learn a little bit more about this in detail, specifically about their own personality? Because obviously with the limited time we have, we're not going to be able to go through every (laughs) single personality type. Exactly. So my favorite resource for the Myers-Briggs system is personalityhacker.com. They have articles and podcasts and all kinds of resources there. They have a part that you can pay to take, but they also have a free assessment, I think. Okay. And then their descriptions were the most helpful to me because so it's really easy to mistype yourself. And this website was the most helpful for me in getting down to the nitty gritty of my best type fit because you're going to see yourself probably in a lot of different types, but you want to find the one that fits you best. So personalityhacker.com. 
it's a great place to start, I yeah. think, with that. So there's 16 types in the Myers-Briggs system. We're not necessarily going to be able to talk about all of those types. Right. But each type is kind of made up of building blocks of sorts. Yes. Right. So you have these different letters that stand for different facets of personalities. And basically, you take four of these letters, they combine into a type. Mm-hmm. And that's what a personality type in the Myers-Briggs system is made up of, is right. four of these building blocks together. Mm-hmm. So what we yeah. can do is talk about those building blocks and what those are made up of. So the first letter for each type is either an I or an E. And these are probably the two terms in all of the Myers-Briggs personality building blocks that people are probably most familiar with or Mm -hmm. have heard the most. And that is introverts and extroverts. Yes. Mm -hmm. The thing is, even though we've heard of introverts and extroverts a lot, I feel like this is something that could be pretty easily misunderstood. Yes. And it's something that I misunderstood when I first took the test way back in college. A lot of people tend to think of, okay, extrovert means uh, outgoing, right? And introvert means shy. Yes. So my wife and I, when we first met in college, I was under the impression that I was an extrovert and my wife was an introvert because (laughs) I was out in front of people a lot. I did a lot of things that put myself in the spotlight. I'm a very good conversationalist. I usually tend to speak up in social situations and make my voice heard. My wife, on the other hand, is very shy. She tends to sit in a group of people and listen to everyone else and watch what everyone else is doing. And so we actually later on realized, nope, I'm actually the introvert. She's actually the extrovert. I am what would be termed as an outgoing introvert and she would be a (laughs) shy extrovert. And if you haven't heard much about this, that might not make a lot of sense. So maybe we can break that down a little more exactly what introvert and extrovert means and how those terms are sometimes misunderstood. Yeah. So introversion and extroversion primarily explains the way people prefer to engage with the world. Do they normally turn their attention toward the external world or introspectively toward the world inside? which one is the one that they veer towards most often. Extroverts need and like a lot of stimulation. Without it, they feel drained and exhausted. Whereas an introvert prefers the inner world. They don't need as much stimulation because there's so much going on inside. I feel like for me, a lot of this comes back to what drains me and what doesn't. It comes Mm -hmm. back to energy. So after spending time at a big party with a lot of people, do you go away from that feeling energized and awake and alive? Or do you go away feeling like I need a nap now? And I mean, that may be an oversimplification, but I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. How do I feel after I engage in these activities of introverting or extroverting? Yeah, for sure. I know that I've left a lot of big events and stuff, be at work or just social stuff. I'm like exhausted. And yes. on the drive home, my wife will be sitting next to me and she's energized. Like right? she just drank a Red Bull next to me and she's going crazy. And I'm like, <laughs> how in the world did we just leave the, the same, same thing? thing. Turns yeah. out I'm an introvert. She is an extrovert. I get energy from weekends yes. on the couch and alone or yes. maybe with one other person. And she lives for big events and stuff like that. Have you ever found yourself in one of those funks where you just feel not right? Something just doesn't feel right. (laughs) We need very different things to pull ourselves out of that funk feeling. My wife needs to go socialize. She starts Mm -hmm. to find herself in this place when maybe we've spent all weekend at home Mm. doing stuff around the house and she hasn't had a lot of human interaction to energize her. I tend to find myself in this place when I've had a really busy week and I had lots of stuff on the calendar (laughs) and I'm like, oh, I just need a break. That's a good way to break down this introvert and extrovert thing. And you want to make sure that you don't get tricked by the idea that no introverting and extroverting has to do with how well you socialize or some of those things, because sometimes that can be a little bit deceptive when you're trying to evaluate whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it really all comes back down to this energy thing. Mm -hmm. Right. The second piece of this framework is intuition versus sensing. This has to do with how a person takes in information from the world around them. Do they pay more attention to the information they take in through their five senses or do they focus instead on kind of the underlying meaning of everything they're observing? So the patterns and the potentials of that information. So intuitives often focus on the big picture. They read between the lines. Sensors focus on observable facts, what they can see, hear, smell, touch and taste. I'm definitely an intuitive and I have some good friends and family members who are sensors big time. Mm. And I notice this the most in phone calls with a sensor just about the day. We're recapping events of the day and they're asking me a million questions like, what did you do today? What did you have for lunch? What made you laugh? They're asking me about tangible 
things that mm-hmm. happened in my day and I literally cannot recall any of them <laughs> in the moment that they're asking me. I'm like frozen. I'm like, I have no idea what happened to me today. What is wrong with me? What's going on? Because yeah. the things that I'm noticing in the day have much more to do with patterns and underlying meanings, big picture things. And so in a conversation like that, I literally freeze up and I'm like, I don't know. Why and are so, you asking me about all this? Why are you, detail? Like, I don't even care. Yeah. But then I'm like, but they care. So I have to learn to care because I care about them to them. This is how they connect with me. And yet in my brain, I'm not noticing those things yeah, normally on a day to day basis. This is something that I notice a lot too. And I too am more of an intuitive person than a sensing person, but being married to a sensing person has mm-hmm. definitely opened my eyes quite a bit to viewing the world in this way. Mm-hmm. And we often see this played out when we have to make a major decision about something. Oh, yeah. So maybe we have to make a, a choice about whether or not we're going to make a big purchase yes. or, and which is yeah. the right direction to go. I tend to be very much a gut feeling kind of person. Yes. I know that this is the right choice because I know that it's the right choice. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can't always explain that super well. I just have this gut instinct that tells me this is the right thing to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Being married to a sensing person, <laughs> that's not good enough all the time uh-huh. because a sensing person says, you have given me no evidence yes. that this is correct. You're telling me yeah. we should go this way and you've given me no reason to yeah. believe that that's the case other than trust me. I just yeah. know there's no and, concrete <laughs> detail there right. for them a to hold on to. A person says, I need evidence. Yeah. Where is the evidence? Yeah. The next one is thinking and feeling. So that is your T or your F. And I want to preface this that. People with the thinking trait are often just as emotional as those with the feeling trait. Mm-hmm. This is not a cold robot versus a sissy person. This yeah. is like, you know, that's the stereotype that tends to get propagated yes, about this. Absolutely. Either you're overly emotional or you're like a stone cold. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is the one I wanted to talk about because my wife is a thinking trait and I am a feeling trait. Yes. And often people are like, oh, just different things. You know, you're a dude. You're thinking about all that. And I'm like. Actually, no, no. <laughs> actually it doesn't always follow the traditional gender right. stereotype. Exactly. No. So people with the thinking trait seek logic and rational arguments relying on their head rather than their heart. They do their best to safeguard their emotions, shielding them from the outside world and making sure that they are not clearly visible. So like I said, just as feeling as the people with the feeling trait, but they tend to subdue and override their feelings with logic. In contrast, people with the feeling trait follow their hearts and emotions and care little about hiding them. They're not afraid to listen to their innermost feelings and to share them with the world. Although it would be quite a big mistake that these feeling people are naive or easily swayed because we're not. No. So (laughs) a good example of how these two interact with each other that the website 16 personalities gives is basically how the two different attitudes from these groups approach charitable causes. So a thinking type are significantly less likely to give to charities or be touched by their emotional appeals, but they might be looking for other ways to invest in people like through education funds and Mm. stuff like that. Whereas someone with the feeling trait, I can say whenever there's like, Hey, do you want to give a dollar to this? I'm like, Oh God, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So like, here's a way I can help. Now my (laughs) wife will be going, okay, here's a way that I can invest in this in a different way. Like Mm. maybe through volunteering myself. Interesting. One thing that I noticed the thinking and feeling process describes the natural decision-making process, right? Like what kinds of information they use to make decisions, which is basically what you're saying. This is, it it describes what information they use to make the decision. And Um, the same dilemma like comes up where I might not necessarily always be able to express why I'm feeling like this about something. And the the rub is like the thinking people might have all this data, but I I can go, it doesn't feel right. (laughs) (laughs) So the last preference pair that we have is called judging and perceiving. This one is about lifestyle preferences. That's one of the ways it's been described or the preference that describes structure. So people who have a judging preference tend to prefer to have decisions behind them or settled. They feel more comfortable once the decision is made and done with. Perceiving means preferring to take in information. So perceivers prefer to postpone decisions in order to stay open to new information as long as possible. I think those are interesting descriptions and I still struggle with this one. Sometimes I read those descriptions and I'm not a hundred percent sure which I am. Cause I think I go back and forth between the two, but I think generally I tend to be more on the judging end than the perceiving. Have you guys seen this at work? Cause I know that you're both P 
PEs, right? Yeah. Well, this one is difficult for me too because yeah. usually when I take the uh, assessments, yes. I tend to split right down the middle yes. on, ah. on J and which P. Which is fair. Which is an important thing that we should probably note. None of these are things that exist completely in a vacuum. No, where you're absolutely. Like all the way in I or all the way in E. It very much is kind of more on a sliding scale. Yes. So yeah. if you think about this on a scale from zero to a hundred. One person may be 70% a J, one person may be 50% a J. But but one way that I've heard this described, which I thought was kind of helpful, because I do think this is one of the harder ones to kind of understand the distinction between. Judging basically means that you use decision making in your outer life. So whether it's thinking or feeling, whichever one of those you are, a T or an F, you use that thing when you're extroverting, when you're interacting Mm. with the world around you. If you're a perceiver, that means that you use your sensing or your intuition, your perceiving function when you're interacting with the world around you. So let's say I am intuitive, I'm an N, and then I'm also an F. So when I'm interacting with others in my life, am I more likely to use my feeling trait or Mm. am I more likely to use my intuitive trait? So Kara, as a J, that would mean you are more likely to use your feeling trait when you're interacting with others. So when you're interacting with me, the primary thing that's going to drive you in how you interact with me is feelings. That is 100% accurate. (laughs) Right. So you're going to make decisions on how does this make me feel? How How do I think this is going to make that person feel? Is everybody feeling harmonious? Is everyone getting along? That's going to be really important to me. That's really interesting. Meanwhile, since I am a perceiver, a P, I am using my intuition when I'm interacting with you. So I'm not as primarily concerned about how you're feeling and how I'm feeling and making sure everyone's getting along. I'm primarily concerned about does this feel right? Uh, Is this authentic? Authenticity is a big word for intuitive types and perceiving types in P's. Basically, I'm saying, are you being true to yourself? Am I being true to myself? Are we being who we really are? Even if it causes a little bit of conflict, I would prioritize authenticity over Uh, feelings. Whereas you would say, you know what? I'll maybe even be willing to change for you a little bit. Or, you know, maybe you ought to change for me a little bit to prioritize harmony in this situation. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing that I've I've heard about this that that really helps. Yeah. Is do you prefer to use your thinking or feeling when you interact with others? That might mean you're a J. Or do you prefer to use your sensing or intuition when you interact with others? That might mean you're a P. That's really good. That's really helpful. So one of the things that kept coming up over and over again as I was reading through and parts of Ann Vogel's book, Reading People, is that it's super, super easy to mistype yourself. So you take a test or you read through the descriptions and you think, oh, I'm an INFP when actually you're an INFJ or you're something completely different. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is not only because these systems are complex, but because we are complex. People are super complex. These systems are an attempt to explain that complexity. But the key is... You have to be ruthlessly honest with yourself. Right. And a lot of times when we're taking these tests, we have a picture in our heads of who we want to be. And that's how we're answering the questions. This is the ideal person in my head. I would like to think that Mm, I am or that I should act. Right. But is it your actual gut level response? And sometimes we're just not aware of that. And so it may take some outside influence or help to figure some of those things out, or it may take trial and error of going, I thought I was this preference, but that's not the way I'm interacting with the world on a regular basis. Exactly. I think that brings up a really good point, actually, which is ultimately these are all just systems that are attempting to break down something that is incredibly complex human behavior and and put it in understandable little chunks and bites and pieces. Right. Mm -hmm. And naturally in the course of doing that, certain things are going to get oversimplified. Right. So even in a complex system like the Myers-Briggs system where you have 16 different personalities. Right. There are more than 16 types of people in the world. Right. right? Yes. Isaac and I are actually both INFPs. We're the same personality type. But we're also very different people in certain ways. We are not the same person. No. These personality systems are not perfect. All they're trying to do is give you some information that can inform some of how you 
think about other people or about yourself, but they're not perfect descriptors of everything that goes on in the world. A big part of that is that we have to be really careful about applying some of these things both to ourself and to others. Mm -hmm. So first of all, when we're applying this to ourselves, sometimes it's tempting to say, all right, this is my personality. This is the way I am. Mm -hmm. Everyone else just has to deal with this. Right. And we tend to use it as a way to make an excuse about our behavior. Mm. So for example, I am an introverted person. My wife is an extroverted person. And in our relationship, it's important that we serve both of those needs from time to time. And both of us sometimes have the need to do the opposite of what our dominant personality trait is. So just because I'm an introverted person doesn't mean I don't need to go extrovert sometimes, or I don't need to be around other people. Every once in a while, it's tempting for me to say, you know what? I'm an introvert. I get my energy from being alone. I don't ever want to be around people ever again. And (laughs) and I can kind of create an excuse from that. Or I could say, you know what? Yeah, sometimes I'm not super friendly to people. Mm -hmm. I'm even kind of rude. But that's just because I don't like people. I don't like being around others. I can turn this into an excuse to say, well, I am the way that I am. And you have to respect that and be okay with it. Mm. I can almost use it to justify bad behavior. I think one of the things that stood out to me was that character and personality are different. Personality may be kind of stable over time. And yes, there's these things about you that will probably always be true, but character can grow. If we want to use more spiritual language, fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all those things are not, you don't get off the hook just because you're an introvert (laughs) or because, well, I'm an, I'm an intuitive and you're a sensor. So I don't have to listen to anything you say because it doesn't matter. No, that's not the point of this. The point is we're different. And how can I use this as a tool and not an excuse to disappear from life and not engage with it in the way that I want to? The same danger exists when we're evaluating other people, right? It can be a really powerful, helpful thing, like you described earlier in our conversation, Kara, that it can help you put yourself in the shoes of another person or understand their perspective. But I think the flip side of that, the dark side, the danger, is that we could also pigeonhole people based on their personality type. It can super quickly become like a shorthand for, oh, that person doesn't want to be around us today. He's an introvert. Or she's an extrovert. She can go and take on this project and be fine. Exactly. Or they're a feeler and I don't have like they're just overly emotional about everything. And so we can't trust anything they're going to say right. about the situation. So yeah. yeah, don't use those things as weapons. They're meant to be tools of understandings, not something that I can throw at someone and poke another hole in them. Like, yeah. no, come on. You want to be respected in your personality, but that means you also have to respect others and their preferences. So my on repeat this week comes from Brandon Murphy. It's called Enough. When did you stop being enough for me? When did you stop being enough? Enough, enough, enough. So this is a song. It's just been one that's kind of been rotating through the playlist coming up over and over again. And it's on my mind this week because we were just talking about earlier. I'm struggling with this whole slow fashion, fast fashion. How do you decide? Okay, this is what I need. This is what I don't need. And it's a struggle for me when I get lost kind of in this world of amassing all the things. And so this song has been on repeat in my brain and and on my playlist as well. Just the thought of, you know, God, when did you stop being enough for me? This is a hard one. It's hard Mm -hmm. because God is very intense. And all these things in front of me are very tangible. And I struggle with this, not just with items and things, but also with relationships. But I think it's a good one to come back to and say, okay, there is this being this relationship that is enough for me. I'm not sure what that looks like every day, but I'm willing to keep coming back to it and say, help me understand God when I'm feeling kind of lost in this place of not enough. My on repeat this week is Walking on Water by Need to Breathe. This is one of those songs that I just keep coming back to because of the lyrical content of it. I'm generally a someone who really likes the sound of a song. I don't pay really close attention to the lyrics. I kind of just have it on in the background. I'm like, ah, this is a cool beat. This was one where when I started paying attention to the lyrics, I was like, 
wow. Okay. Mm. Yep. This one. (laughs) (laughs) One of the lyrics that really sticks out to me is in the chorus. Help me believe it, though I falter. You got me walking on water. I really like that because it recognizes both my imperfection and Mm. God's ability to still, in spite of all of that, get me out walking on water. I'm at a point in life where I need to hear something like that. I think that we all kind of are at any point. Like we can all admit, hey, I'm in a season of imperfection right now. (laughs) Well, think about the story of Peter walking on water. Yeah. I think so often we tend to focus on the fact that he sank. Right. That's how the story ends, that he didn't have enough faith to stay on top of the water. Right. But he also did walk on water. Yeah. Like yes. how amazing is that? I think sometimes we lose track of the fact that a it miracle happened. happened there. Yeah. Yes. We think, yes, we don't have enough faith, but God is also capable of holding us up. Yeah. Mm. And that's such a good encouragement for anyone who sometimes has that feeling of like, Oh man, there's other people who are just so much better at belief mm. than I am. Uh. <laughs> this is a good yeah. one for, Hey, we make mistakes. Sometimes yeah. we don't have enough. God's got us. My on repeat this week is I'll Find You by Lecrae and Tori Kelly. So this is not a brand new song. It came out this last summer as one of the singles and probably the most successful single off Lecrae's most recent mm. album. And it was a long-awaited collaboration between Lecrae and Tori Kelly that had been hinted at for a long time. Mm. And I love, love, love this song. It's a great for song. For many reasons, yeah. not the least of which is just musically. I think it's a, just a terrific song. Oh, so good. But lyrically, really powerful as well. And I've heard Lecrae talk a little bit about the story behind this song. And he said that he had a a couple of different loved ones who were battling cancer. Mm. And that was really the inspiration for writing this song. He talks about how life is a a really precious gift, but it's a gift that sometimes we often take for granted until it's threatened by something. Mm. And when we experience pain, it can be this kind of haunting reminder that we need to appreciate every waking moment. Hmm. And so that's kind of why they they wrote this song to encourage these loved ones who are going through pain, who are going through sure. really difficult moments, yeah. encouraging them to hold on and to say, we're all here with you. We're waiting, we're hoping, yeah. we're mm. praying, we're fighting alongside of you. Some people at the end of that fight may be released from their pain forever. Others are still fighting. Either way, hold on to the hope that we have that's going to get us through those moments of pain. That is our show for this week, our discussion on personality types. I don't know that we ever actually said explicitly, you are a... I am an INFJ. You are a... INFP. I am also an INFP. So we are all very, very similar. Very close. We probably should have thought that through and had a, what what would the opposite be, ESTJ on the show or something. Yeah, we should have. Should have had Bree Skype in. That's right. (laughs) It's kind of ironic that we're married to people who are completely opposite from us, Isaac. You're both married to ESTJs? Aren't you? I think so. Whoa. Okay, that's kind of cool. Episode nine. That's right. Be breaking down the psychology and Isaac, (laughs) and who we married and why. That's awesome. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk podcast from Real FM. Wake up with Isaac from 7 to 10 a.m. and catch Real Talk with Anson and Kara from 4 to 7 p.m. Live every weekday on Real FM Radio. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of John Brown University, KLRC Radio, or Real FM.